How are we doing today? Yeah, great, excellent. Hard to follow babies, you know, just, they were adorable. Now it's me. Um, but <clears throat> my name is, uh, as Danny mentioned, Max Critchfield. I'm the college director here at Three Crosses, and it's an honor to be here serving at this church and to be with you today. Uh, as we celebrate new life, I got to um, baptize some folks in the first service one uh, young man who he saw the three crosses in the background of a selfie that he took at Golfland and <laughs> decided to start coming here and found Christ. And he came for the first time last week. He was baptized today. So um, there is a lot of reason to celebrate and to give thanks. And I think, yeah, looking into the face of beautiful children reminds us that God is good. Um, and also, we are aware that we don't uh, celebrate in a vacuum, that we are celebrating, rightly so, in the midst of a season that continues to be challenging and frustrating and at times bewildering and difficult, a time of loss and confusion, as well as experiencing the grace of God in the midst of it all. And uh, we heard in the first service, we're going to hear at the end of the service today, some people bearing witness to the working of God in their lives, bringing about new life, giving them a hope and a future through the power of Jesus Christ. And what I would like to do in the time that I've been given is to join with them in bearing witness to the work of God in our midst and in my story and in my life. And so what I would like to do um, is to look at a passage together and, um, and then kind of share how, especially in this last season, this season that's ongoing, that we're continuing to live through together, how God has kind of met me in this passage and how it's touched my life personally and how I hope God might use it to speak to you wherever you find yourself today. So today's text is very familiar. Um, it's from the book of Psalms, and this is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And so what I'm going to do is um, read this out loud. If you've memorized this scripture, you can say it out loud too. It's going to be up here on the screen. And uh, we will consider together the word of the Lord to us today. Here is Psalm 23, a psalm of David. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this holy opportunity to gather now with your people on this day in which we are celebrating New life, the life that you bring about, bringing from death to life, out of slavery into freedom. And I pray now as we open your word, we open our hearts to hear from you, to be open to 
hear and respond in faith and obedience from your living word today. I pray um, just a prayer of gratitude as we sang earlier that in my father's house there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I pray if nothing else we'd leave here today with a deepened confidence that that can be true for each of us. We thank you that you're good and your love endures forever. And I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So let's return now to Psalm 23. And what I'd like to notice together is kind of three scenes or kind of like backdrops that we see in Psalm 23. And then a truth that I'd like to draw our attention to in each of those scenes. And the first of those scenes that we see at the start here is a green pasture. A green pasture. Here at the start again, David writing, King David, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I tell some people that I'm like solar powered, you know, I love being out in the sun, kind of like shorts and a t-shirt, 90 degrees, you know, like just soaking it up. Like that is my happy place. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Some people like rain and cold. I'm, I'm into that, but that's not my happy place. You know, just kind of the sizzle of the bay, you know, 90 degrees in July, like that is the jam, 100%. Um, but this picture here is of this kind of this blue cloudless sky, these green pastures, these still waters, this picture of God's peaceful provision. And, and that's the truth I want to point us to here at the start of this psalm is this, that times of peaceful provision and restoration are a gift from God. Times of peaceful provision and restoration are a gift from God. That you and I, we have those times in our lives where just, we're all is well. And it just feels like, man, this is good. I'm seeing families and little babies getting dedicated. Um, All the things are falling into place and things are well. And I hear just in the beginning, I'm struck by David's incredible confidence as he starts this psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or to put another way, The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack anything I need. You know, sometimes I read that and I ask myself, do I believe that? Do I believe because the Lord is my shepherd, anything that I'm going to need in life, I'm going to have because God's going to provide it for me. It's not always going to look the way that I want it to look, but he's going to be faithful to lead me. David has that confidence. I pray God give me the faith to believe that too. But he paints this picture of just kind of peaceful, quiet, in green pastures, quiet waters. He restores my soul. When I hear that word restores, I'm drawn to that. Especially in this time where after just the months have worn on of this challenging time, I feel a little frayed at the edges. You know, I'm a little worn down. I could use some restoration. Amen? Some restoring. And David says, he, God, restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. By the grace of God, you and I have those stretches of time where the sun is shining and all is well. You know, here in the Bay Area, we don't see green green pastures for maybe two months out of the year. You know, if you look to the hills, maybe January, February, part of March, they're green. The rest of the time, it's like amber waves of weeds up there, you know, and just... That's how it is here. If you're new to the area, that's how it looks most of the time. 
But um, for me, I've experienced in this last, you know, several years, many times where this, it felt like this was where I was, in this green pasture beside these quiet waters. Um, I grew up here in the Bay Area. I was born over in Oakland. Uh, my parents met working at Crocker Bank in San Francisco, which I think is now part of like Wells Fargo. And uh, when we were five, we moved over to Fremont. And uh, to be closer to my, my mom's family, a lot of them who were like, uh, my grandfather owned a strawberry farm in Newark, and they actually turned his farm into the uh, Newark City Hall. Um, and so we literally and figuratively have deep roots here in the Bay. So we moved over to Fremont. I kind of grew up there in the fourth grade. Um, I was inspired by one of my favorite bands, Tower of Power. Any Tower of Power fans here today? Yes. East Bay, incredible group. Look them up on Spotify. Um, I saw them at the Alameda County Fair, and I was like, I want to play the saxophone. So I picked up the sax, started playing that. And uh, when I was in high school, uh, my instructor said, hey, you, know, you should go over to this school. It has a really good band program over there. And uh, as a sophomore, I started going to Moreau over there on mission. I've, I've made that drive thousands of times. Um, I live in Niles, and just coming here, I kind of go into a trance and just appear here because <laughs> I've gone that way so, so many times. And uh, in high school, a friend of mine um, said, hey, you want to come to youth group? And I was like, what is a youth group? You know, like... Up until that point in my life, I was familiar with kind of Jesus and the church, but really had no interest in it, really had no interest in anything other than myself and what I wanted. But the way he described it sounded interesting, and so I got dropped off there on a Wednesday night, and it was fun. You had games, the youth pastor guy got up there, and I was like, this was cool, I'll, I'll come back. And so I started attending regularly. And, uh, you know, as summer got closer, they said, hey, we're having a summer camp, and uh, it's super fun, you should go. And I was like, okay, you know. So <clears throat> we got on the bus, they drove us out there, and you know, cabin games, all this stuff. And then kind of in the middle of the week, they said, hey, if you're here and you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, you can do that. And I said, I want that for me. I want that in my life. And so I stood up to accept Christ. And uh, from my junior year kind of onward, I had fully surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, it was incredible. I was born again. And uh, you know, a year later, I was applying to schools. I got into UC Davis. Any other Aggies out there? Yeah? Are we proud or what? You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was an Aggie, and it's a great school. And uh, went there, got involved with an incredible college-age community there as well. And that was just the time when my faith grew deep roots. And uh, at that time, I felt called to be in youth ministry, the same ministry that made such an impact on my life personally. And so I um, proposed to my wife, actually up in the Hayward Hills. And literally like the next day, I was like, man, if we're going to get married, I guess I need a job. Like I was a senior in college at that time. So I posted my resume on a job board. And the next day, I got a call from a church that said, hey, we're really interested in you. And the reason they were really interested was because they were desperate for a youth pastor. Uh, they hadn't had a person for like nine months. It's this church up in Benicia, which is in the, in the North Bay. And um, my resume was quite thin. I had no full-time experience. I was 21 years old at that time. And, um, but they took a chance on me. They believed in me. And they built into me through the many mistakes and things I learned over the many years of ministry there. And then after about nine years of being there, I had an opportunity to come back 
to the church where I had accepted Christ and be the high school pastor there and to move closer to family. By this time, we were having children. We have three girls, seven, five, and two. And like, wow, this is super cool. And so we, I live like two minutes away from both sets of parents and um, living in a, in a home over in Niles and working in this ministry that God had used to bring me to himself. It felt like being in that green pasture. And there's obviously, there's a lot of highs and lows in life and in ministry, but uh, it was a period of just being in this place where my soul was being restored and where I could relate to what David was describing here. You lead me beside still waters. But as you see here in this psalm, the scene changes. And the second scene is this, is a dark valley, right? We start the psalm in a green pasture, but then in verse 4, we move into this dark valley. And it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's quite a change, isn't it? To go from green pastures and quiet waters to a darkened valley, And dark is scary, right? Like, I'm going into this valley. I don't even really want to be going here, but now here we are. I can't see the end. I don't know when I'm leaving. When are my questions going to be answered? When when is the hurt going to be finished? When are the things that I'm longing so much for to be reconciled, when are they going to come back together? I don't know. I don't know. The valley of the shadow of death. So being there in... Fremont being at this church and just seeing God working in the lives of high school students. Um, in uh, September of 2019, in fact, that was, it was September 11th, which is coming up this next week. It's not an auspicious day for our community, for our nation. And uh, my senior pastor said, hey, can I see you? And I was like, yeah, sure. And our church had been struggling. All churches go through times of challenge, hardship. And so I went into his office and he said, hey, Max, we, we love you. We love what you're doing here, the fruit that we're seeing in your ministry. But um, we're not able to support you and several other staff members any longer. And so we're going to have to let you go. And um, I just kind of stared off into space. And uh, for those of you perhaps who've experienced being laid off, that was my first experience in my adult life, just that sinking feeling. And I just walked out, I got in my car, I went to one of my favorite coffee places and got a latte and just sat down and just stared off into space and just thought, man, I didn't see that coming. And this ministry that I was passionate about, that I was all in on, and just this arc, all of a sudden was taking a turn that I hadn't anticipated. And so I kind of absorbed that for a while, you know, spent just long times out walking, talking with God, working through that. The church was able to provide me with a severance for several months. And so we started 2020 as a family (laughs) with me without a job for the first time. And uh, you can kind of see where this is going. Uh, So um, I kind of got some things like we could maybe do this. And so I uh, was going to help out at a church plant with like some leadership things and some youth stuff. My wife has a degree in therapy. She was going to work at a skilled nursing facility. And we started that in February of 2020, okay? And uh, <laughs> we did that for a month. And, um, and then I came home and did not go back to work. Uh, my wife came home safely 
although many people at her facility did get COVID, she came home. My children's schools closed. Your children's schools closed. My kids came home. And we just kind of like went down into the bunker, basically. Perhaps for some of you, you worked harder and longer hours and more stressful things than you ever have in your life in this season. But for our family, it was just kind of like we were cut off from everything. Because when I, you know, leaving the church, it wasn't just leaving a job or a paycheck. It was a community. It was a story. It was a place where I was contributing meaningfully in the local church. It was relationships. And so we just kind of, we, we have a basement in our house. I know there's not a lot in the Bay Area, but we have a basement. We just kind of went down in there and it was like, when are we coming out? I don't know. I don't know. What, when am I going to have a way to provide for my family again? When, is, when are the, you know, the, just the, the difficult headlines going to stop coming? I don't know. I have to tell my kids that. I don't know. And we went from being in this green pasture, being beside quiet waters, to finding ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. And we all know what that feels like. But notice what David says here. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think that's quite incredible because at the beginning, he has this confidence in the pasture, right? The Lord's my shepherd. I'm not going to lack anything. But when the scene changes now to the valley, this place of uncertainty, of loss, of pain, David has the same confidence. I'm not going to be afraid of anything. Not to say that it's not scary or hard, but I'm not going to fear any evil. Why? He says, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right, the rod and staff, those are like the tools of the trade for the shepherd, right? That's how he guides his sheep. He disciplines his sheep. He provides for his sheep. He protects his sheep. He says, God, your shepherding gives me comfort. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And that's the truth I want to direct our attention to here in this second scene is this, is that God is available when we pass through pain. I think we could even say further, God becomes personal, when we pass through pain. And this is a detail I noticed in this psalm, especially in this time where I spent a lot of time at home and reading in the psalms. And, you know, here in the beginning, David is speaking triumphantly with this celebratory tone. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to lack anything I need. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me, right? In the beginning, David is speaking about God, right? worshipfully, you know, with this incredible confidence. But notice what shifts in the second scene. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For God is with me? No, for you are with me. See, in the beginning, in the, in the pasture, David, he's speaking about God, rightly. But in the valley, he's speaking to him. He's talking to God. You are with me. You comfort me. That if you and I would just reach out in the darkness to this God, his comfort is available to you. His presence is available to you. I think about when Peter was walking on the water and he starts to sink in the gospel of Mark. It says he reached out his hand and said, Lord, save me. And it says Jesus immediately reached out his hand and pulled him up. 
So this valley situation, this isn't about in the darkness thinking, okay, I need to like get my faith up enough so that God will see me and notice me. No, it's just the faith to reach out and say, God, if you're there, save me. Because I'm in the darkness. My questions are going unanswered. I don't know when this is ending. Are you there? And David's answer can be our answer. God, you are with me. Amen? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think of the words in the book of James when James just says to you and I, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's closer than your skin. He's just waiting for you and I just to muster the faith to just cry out and he's there. His comfort is available. You know, elsewhere in the Psalms it says that he's near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that can be true for you and I today by the grace of God. So we have a green pasture, we have a dark valley, and then we come to this final scene in Psalm 23, and that is this, a surrounded table. A surrounded table. Look look with me at verse five here. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. It's this picture of like a feast being spread before us. You know, this last week, we as a staff uh, had a chance, our, our, the lead team of our church put on a lunch and we were out there on the bricks over here by the cafe and we had tri-tip, we had chicken, we had homemade salsa, we had coconut rice. I know you're thinking about lunch in like 20 minutes as I'm describing this. Maybe you're salivating. Um, don't go to Chick-fil-A after church. It's closed on Sundays. I make that mistake all the time. I'm like, man, Chick-fil-A sounds so good. I'm like, no. But it's this picture of abundance, right? God, you prepare a table before me. You just, you put out this wondrous spread of just all these foods that are nourishing and are good. And the, the, the imagery continues, right? You anoint my head with oil. It's like this picture of God setting his special favor on us as his people, God, my cup overflows, this like, this symbol of joy and celebration, right? Fitting for our Celebrate New Life Sunday today. But this table isn't just anywhere. Where where is it located? It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. When I'm surrounded, God, you're providing for me. I think about this, just a picture of like a long, like banqueting table, you know, just filled with all of this incredible food, all these things that we love. But around kind of the edges of the banquet hall, so to speak, are these like darkened windows. And maybe pressing up against that are these kind of darkened faces looking in. That there's this idea of that we're surrounded in the midst of our enemies, but before us is this table that God is providing just what we need when we need it. And that's the truth I want to draw your attention to in this final scene, that God's provision doesn't come to us in the absence of hardship, but in the midst of it. God's provision doesn't come to us in the absence of hardship, but in the midst of it. God doesn't wait for the clouds to part, for the questions to all be answered, to then just give us the green pasture. He says, no, while you're surrounded, before the questions are answered, before the darkness and heaviness lifts, I'm going to provide you with everything that you need. In every high and in every low, my grace will be sufficient for you. 
And as that dark season for our family kind of drew on, my, my eyes were drawn to just the ways that God was providing for us. For me, that just as the weeks wore on and it felt so heavy that just like getting out of bed was a win, you know, finding in myself, God was giving me the grace to be a witness to my, to my wife, to my kids, to my community. Finding that he was comforting me in a special way in my feelings of loss and bewilderment and difficulty. Um, having a, a deepening sense of connection with my wife and with my children. I was just talking to my seven-year-old. She's not watching this service, so I can say this. And <clears throat> maybe two weeks ago, we were walking. She said, um, Dad, I liked it more when you didn't have a job. <laughs> because we got to spend more time together. It's like, wow, that doesn't melt your heart. Who are you, right? <laughs> you know, just like, man. Because sometimes we can get so focused on what we're surrounded by that we miss the table before us, right? And, and I wrestled with that of like, God, am I going to have a place in ministry? Am I going to have a job again? Am I going to have a, have a community? Have some resolution to some of these questions, that in the midst of that, before the answers came, God says, I'm going to be enough for you. I'm going to strengthen you to be my servant wherever I take you. And the good news for you and I today is by the grace of God, we have a seat at the table of the Lord. Amen? And if you're here today, you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ yet, there's a place at the table for you. There's always more room. Jesus said in John 14, in my father's house, there are many rooms. That word for rooms is abiding places, places to remain, a place to call home. He says, there's plenty of room in my father's house. He says, if it were not so, would I have gone to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and bring you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Amen. God has made a place for you and I at the table of the Lord. And today, for some of you, if you're watching online or if you're here in person, today could be your day that you take a seat at that table. That you could say, as David did at the end of this psalm, surely I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. And that's good news for you and I because what makes that possible is that Jesus, he left the green pastures of eternity with God. He entered into the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, he took on sin and death themselves. He walked into that empty tomb and he came out again triumphantly. By the power of God, he was raised to new life. So you and I can have new life today. Amen. So the question for you and I is this, as we close, is how have you experienced God's provision in this surrounded season? How have you experienced God's provision in this surrounded season? We are beset on every side by challenge, by difficulty, in our families, in our community, in our workplaces, around the world. But for the grace that you and I would have the eyes to see, that God is preparing before us everything that we need. And me being able to stand before you today, going through that time of just all these unanswered questions, these difficulties, to have a place to serve now, to have a community, to be able to be a blessing here and to you, 
is evidence of the working of God in my life. And I give thanks for that. Have all the questions been answered? No. Is this time over? No, it's not. But while we wait, we wait at a table. And we're going to be celebrating that today. In fact, during this next song, if you don't have communion elements, you can pick those up over in the lobby because we are going to come to the table of the Lord. We're going to remember the body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed so that we would have a place in the Father's house forever. And so I invite you to consider how you've experienced God's provision in this season and that that would be fuel for your worship, for your thankfulness as we celebrate as his people today. Let's pray.